This is the Reading Aloud Podcast. I'm Marisol Collette. And I'm Adam Collette. And you love us because we love you. We sure do. And let's get to today's conversation. <laughs> Last week, our podcast, I think, was like on joy and happiness or something. And we were like, when do you think we recorded that? <laughs> when was there a time? Because typically we have, we're just maybe a week or two ahead, but then occasionally like one that we recorded two months kind of gets pushed down and then we're like, run that this week. So it's a little also like, yeah, joy and Tell happiness. Me when we experience. Can we, can we take a time machine back yeah. to joy and happiness? Yeah. Maybe, maybe the whole episode, because I haven't listened to it yet, but maybe the whole episode was about the fact that we have zero joy and happiness and that how we try to find it in the midst of yeah i mean this the is shit because... show welcome to the fucking shit, shit show of our lives uh, done boy i hope that like when you're listening to this now you're like going for a run or you're feeling good and you're just you know, you just hear the, the realness of that, you know, driving to work and you're not having a shit show kind of day. We do not wish that. But you can help us provide perspective on the shit show. The shit show. Cute moment on the way home from uh, Neo summer camp is that he's ta- all he talks about is bulldozers. Mommy, mommy, bulldozer. Bulldozer. Papa, 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 bulldozer. Or cutting the grass, but you know. Uh-huh. Mow the grass, mow the grass. So the other day or yesterday we were driving home and he was like, bulldozer, bulldozer. And I was like, do you want to make up a song about bulldozers? And he just was like launched right in. I mean, I was like, what? Top of the charts, straight to number one. (laughs) And I was thinking like that, that's, that's fun because we must do that. I mean, for him to be able to do that on the fly is like he's seen us do that and that. Speaking of joy and happiness, there might be some somewhere. That song where like that rich, rich teen girl, Rebecca Black, Friday. Friday, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like Neo's version would be like, bulldozers, bulldozers. And then at top of the charts. Top of the charts. People like things simple. Keep it simple. You know what I heard, and we're getting way off topic here, post-pandemic theaters, and particularly regional theaters, are really struggling right now. Because regional theaters and smaller theaters always have uh, specialized in more conceptual, like modern plays. And that's not what people want to see right now. Post-pandemic, people want simple. People want feel-good stories. And that is aligned with what kind of shows and theater people have wanted to see post-wars. Kind of coming out of this very traumatic time, and people just want to be entertained. They don't want to actually think too hard around uh, their entertainment. Yeah, and they they've felt enough deep, complicated feelings so that they just want some joy. I mean, we did that two nights ago. We were like, "Give me the funnies," and we yeah. loved it. Yeah, it was great. That's really interesting, and it also makes me think about what not only feels good but what's familiar. Mm-hmm. So the simplicity of the plot line or the concept is just like this is super familiar. This is not take me out of my comfort zone because I don't have any more space in my brain and mind. That's so interesting that you that the comparison was to post wars. Yeah, makes post sense. wars. It's just like that was the same kind of cycle that theater and plays and whatnot went through. Yeah. All right. Well. 
Uh, how? Okay. How is the greatest question? So I picked up Neo from daycare, and we were planning on going and getting haircuts. Oof. And we ended up at Great Clips. It was just a quick and, you know, the best for a two-year-old's haircut. Anyway, we went to Great Clips, and we're sitting there, and I get a text that just says, come home. And, uh, yeah, it's emotional just to even think about. I immediately called you. And I said, hey, I'm in Great Clips. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, you were upset and you said you had talked to the fertility clinic and you needed me to come home. And, you know, I knew right then that we had not gotten good news about the pregnancy. It's amazing what happens in that, like, kind of short period of time. I told the woman, I'm like, we have to go. I'm sorry take us off the wait list, got in the car, and kind of got Neo in the car. Not kind of. I fully got him in the car. <laughs> because I have also kind of gotten him in the car on stressful days. And as I'm driving away from wherever we are, he's, he's like just, slipped an arm out. And, and he's like moving into the front seat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I fully got him in the car. Driving home, I mean, it's amazing the speed at which my mind was moving. Everything under the sun from being there to support you to what it would be like with just one kid to like what's the next step to like my work sabbatical the next year that was like planning to align with the pregnancy to like being safe driving so I don't kill myself and Neo on the way home. You know, like multiple thoughts that you could have spent an an entire day on talking about were just flash, 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 flash. And... I mean, I've since been, of course, super emotional about the whole thing. But in that moment, I wasn't emotional. I mean, I was just, I mean, it was a pure adrenaline response. Um, It was like a pure trauma response of like, I mean, I didn't know exactly what had happened. But of course, I knew. I just hadn't talked to you about specifics then. So that was that like seven, eight minute drive home that I had. But I remember you coming home and being like, I even at one point thought, oh, we don't have to turn the guest room into another room. And I was like, I also already had that thought. Yeah. And Are we wired like that? Or is that kind of like, is that a cultural thing? Is that shock? Shock. Yeah. Yeah. Shock. Well, shock kind of can sometimes make your mind completely blank. But shock is not the sadness that comes with grief or even the anger. I remember the, the way I experienced the call was I... I had to jump off a call with a client and I picked up the phone and she was like, I'm so sorry. The numbers went down all the way down almost. And I was like, shit, shit, shit. And I just kept saying shit. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, shit, you know, she said it back. And she's like, I know I, had to like kick something before I was able to come make this call to you. And she was just, it's the same way I felt when I got the call that I had cancer. It was like a call and I was like, hi, I'm curious. Like, or I called them and I was like, I do, I'm curious. I haven't heard. And she was like, oh, well it was cancer. And I was like, wait, stay on the phone with me. I don't understand. And I need you to stay on the phone with me. And it was the same thing. It's like, cannot compute like what like shit if you haven't picked it up by now 
our surrogate, the, the baby, it would it miscarried. It was called a chemical. It's called a chemical pregnancy to where the baby stuck, but it didn't last. And they were measuring the HCG levels and that where they were good, and we know that the baby had stuck. They were pretty good. Then you know the next uh, in the next couple of days they just dropped off and the baby miscarried. So we yeah. lost that pregnancy. Yeah, the baby didn't survive. It definitely feels to me like the baby was there the baby implanted and then the baby didn't survive and we'll get into other pieces at other points i mean we've talked with the geneticist and it definitely was not the the body that it was in you know it was not the gc the gestational carrier it would have done that would have you know more than likely been the outcome in my body as well and so it's so hard to believe it's just so hard to believe and now you know we're a little bit out from that happening and we still cry and I think the the disbelief of it all is it's not past. That's what I was getting to comment on in where where you're saying shit 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 shit. It's this weird thing where it's like washing away the layers of story that you have and like knowing and understanding that you have built up in your mind over the year almost year that we've been in this process. We have been thinking and creating a story around this child and around when it was going to be born and around who they were going to be and around what we were going to do and how we we're going to turn the guest room into a bedroom and blah, 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 blah. You hear it and you understand it, but like each one of those layers needs to accept it and integrate it. And so it's not something that you can just hear once and understand. The, the level of understanding about that child existing that you already have is so deep and so one like glimpse of that child's not going to come into the world is not enough to really just encapsulate all the whole story that you already had in your head yeah i mean i think that's a great way of putting it yeah it's not that i would do it any other way like i I don't think I would do it any other way. Like I had no idea what to expect. We had a genetically normal embryo and a perfectly controlled uh, habitat. I don't know, you know, habitat for them to live in. And the geneticists, of course, talked to us about the potentials for misdiagnosis and the, the limitations of genetic testing. And then yesterday, the PA talked to us about genetic abnormalities that aren't related to chromosomes, that genetic testing is chromosomal testing. And so there's just a lot of pieces of it that, you know, there's a lot of room. And she was like, and then you consider the fact that it has to just have like vitality in the embryo. And then it started to occur to me. I was like, I've had this occurrence a couple of times of a, what a miracle Neo was, what a freaking miracle. And B, just the the spiritual, mysterious part of things of like some souls are meant to be here and some are not. And our lives are going to be what it's going to be. And we don't know what that is. When we decided to learn the sex of this second embryo as opposed to when we did it with Neo and we made the decision, well, we sat on that for a year or so. And then, you know, it came to me and I called you one day and I was like, you know, I would like to do this. And this is the name that came through. And like, none of that was stuff that I planned. Like, I didn't feel like I planned any of it. It came to me. And so with all of that, and then each step of the process, although lengthy, was also did not feel rushed or pushed. And I don't regret 
anything that we did, including thinking about our entire lives with this baby. Now that I know the potential for error, it is a miracle that Neo is born and our fertility clinic has one of the highest rates of success in the nation. And the misdiagnosis piece is like a five to 10%. So we, we also were unlucky. So or the soul wasn't meant to be here. But I'm like, I kind of got pissed at this like little being the other day. I was like, what was the point of all of this? What was the point of all of this? And I was like, was the point for you to like, <laughs> you know, come to me and tell me that this is what we're doing? Tell me your name and then lead us to create this entire life and help us to believe that it was going to be true with making everything so seamless. Was that the point? Like, that's it. That's the end of it. Other than to like, get reality tested, that nothing is permanent, as we already know, but like have a front row seat to that. And maybe something else will show up. Or, you know, I don't know, maybe we just got to have a life with a baby in our minds and hearts for a year and we're going to have our baby, our baby Neo. You know, I don't, that part has been one of the more confusing pieces. I didn't feel like we forced any solutions and it felt so fucking seamless and synchronistic. I mean, all of it. You know, that seeking of understanding of like, why, 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 and, you know, needing to know why and needing to have an explanation one of the things that made this difficult was, you know, you trust yourself in this process. You have to trust yourself and you have to trust your gut. I think in any sort of kind of family planning, you have to be like, I'm confident in where this is going and this is the right decision because X, Y, Z. You know, you kind of make those decisions and whether, you know, you see and you get feedback on that through the world and You know, you get signs and, oh, this matches up and, oh, that's going to be great by doing that. And then it doesn't work. You ask those questions, why? Why did this happen when there isn't an easy explanation? And then you also are like, man, did I just totally miscalculate all this? Did I just totally misread all of this? How was I so wrong? That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Totally. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, cool, moving forward. And so it makes me question things like I want to move forward with our surrogate again. Also, those feelings of doubt come up like you're supposed to be the one to carry this. Where is that feeling coming from? Is that because I'm I'm getting into a wishy-washy place or is that because that's what I'm really supposed to do? Like the best that we can do is to get quiet and get still and listen for God's loving guidance. And what that means to me is openness for outcomes, openness. Up until we finally started taking our own form of birth control seriously, it was always like, until this happens, we are open to any possibility that comes through. And the only one I didn't want to have happen was for our surrogate to get pregnant and me to get pregnant at the same time. And if that had happened, we would have navigated that. I'm always feeling like we're leaving our options open, that we're not closing doors. And right. we, we also have the choice to close the door on this. Yeah, and, I mean, that was my first reaction to it. Yeah, my first reaction is... Or one of my first reactions, I guess, when I started thinking about it. Oh, I remember. So you left for Germany with your family for eight days. Three days later, 
we had two full days together in between learning about this. And I remember when it was, we were getting ready, we were like, okay, this is the day we're going to find out you're going to go to Germany. And it was as hard as we expected it to be. You know, I knew that if we were going to move forward, there is a very realistic, even when we were talking with the PA yesterday, she's like, if you want to wait six more months, your eggs will be six months older. And at the time that we're at now, it's like those months matter. And, you know, so it was, it was all of those things. And so I knew my first line of defense was to reconsider everything that I had previously said, which is that I wouldn't do another egg retrieval, reconsider all of that and be like, I would do that. I would do that. I would do that. I would do that. And I would try to implant the mosaic one if that was our only option. I would do that too. And reconsider all of the choices that we had previously made. And I wanted to talk to you about them because I didn't know what how fast things would be moving in the order of events. So I knew it was early for you because I know how your brain works. And you were devastated that first day. I mean, I was devastated, but like, yeah, I was like, I was devastated. It was less of the sadness the first day. The sadness came later, but it was more of the exhaustion that hit. You know, when you're on a like a trip or something and you're pushing through a, a crazy work time, you know, you're putting on a big event or something. And then as soon as you get done, you get sick because you just your body just, you know, it stops running on that adrenaline. And I had this experience, not necessarily to that acute degree, of where the whole six and a half years of trying, going through this whole process of all of these years, just kind of came in that moment and being like, I'm tired. I don't want to go through this anymore. It has been a constant, not just time, but mental energy and capacity and drain on us as individuals, on our relationship. It has just been a constant for the majority of time that we have known each other. How do you feel about that now, just to operate from that thread, or just to talk about it from that thread for a minute? Yeah, I mean, I feel much better about it. I don't feel nearly as intense about it. I think that I am much more grounded in it now and especially in understanding kind of how this could have happened and the genetics and the, you know, how a normal embryo and but the the chance for misdiagnosis there and that's most likely what it was and I think more knowledge about the why, you know, helps me understand and gain perspective. And you mean by that, like the perspective of meaning that not as intense about my decision of like, I'm done. Right. Because it's like a lot of people have to experience multiple rounds of this in order for it to work or there's lots of room for error. So it's not like everything was right. It's that this is just this is typical. This is almost typical at times. Yeah. Or it's possible. Like I, I've really actively in this process, like not tried to do the kind of like, well, other people have gone through this. Like some of that's been maybe a little helpful. I also just know that I'm allowed to feel the the feelings and the intensity that I have and not necessarily compare myself feeling like, well, they had it harder, so I shouldn't feel so bad. Right. Kind of. but and I'm not saying no, no, you're no, no, saying no, no, that. No, it no. just came up for me. Yeah. And- no, for sure. You know, it's interesting because one of the reasons why that that statement alone kind of helps me is 
to stop me from drowning because it feels like the worst thing in the world. And for me, the idea that I sometimes I don't feel like I have a bottom. And so it gives me a bottom so that I don't keep sinking. You know, I went to a very quiet, sometimes dark, but not too dark, sad place. Like Neo, taking care of Neo while you were gone was my bottom. I couldn't go further because I was responsible to him. And it was it was actually really important and good. And it, of course, uh, gave me that instant perspective of like so grateful that he's here and that we can spend this time together and then I was able to have quiet time but it wasn't too much it was like an hour here an hour there so the thing that I did do though is I went on my Facebook group that I'm in from from when we thought Neo would be premature and I asked who had this experience and one woman said she went through six fresh transfers and two and a half frozen transfers. And then ultimately she has two kids, but that was how many she had to go through. And I was like, how did you make it through? She was like, I just kept looking ahead to the next transfer. And I had this thought of like, oh, if we had more embryos, healthy embryos, that's just what we would do. It would be like, okay, let's try again. And it it actually like, it did help me to hear her story because she was like, I don't know if that was good or bad, but I just kept looking ahead and feeling the hope of the next time. So, you know, we're in a different position because we don't have those. So, you know, we're looking to see if it's possible to do another egg retrieval. But I also look at that differently. Like I, I, I have this part of me that's, yes, we're obviously going to get another embryo because this is still the truth for us that we are supposed to have a second baby. And then there's a bigger part of me that says, you don't know shit, Marisol. Like don't, like you can have hope and you should go into it with a positive attitude. I think I will, that will overall be the, the stance that I take. And I'm just aware of the data and the statistics, et cetera. So it's a combination of now looking at it from the other perspective of like the science of it. And then knowing that there is stuff that science can't predict and that I'm hoping we fall in, into the category of a miracle. Yeah. I think I'm just probably somewhat sensitive about it because it's I get a little triggered around, you know, immediately people kind of telling you, well, it's going to be OK or here's the bright side. And, you know, I have learned the value in my life and you've taught me a lot about like being able to, as Brene Brown says, embrace the suck, embrace the hard things, let it feel a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's impossible to get those comments of like, well, something better will come or whatever, because it's like well, something better may just be my family as it is. And that's wonderful. That doesn't mean we're not going to have grief over the dream that we had. And we're also not going to sit around and always wish for something that we don't have. We're going to turn back towards what we do have. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It feels like it's different for you and I. I don't want any of those comments, period, end of story. I did seek out how does one make it through this? And that was the answer that that person gave from their perspective. But I don't, but that's because I don't want the question. That's because I don't want to feel like I'm falling forever. Yeah. Yeah. But my, you know, again, my initial thought was I'm just tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of this. And that came to me, that same thought that came to me like in day two and three. It was interesting because I watched us. You were exhausted and I was 
full of adrenaline and my mind was racing as to how to fix this. And even thinking about the fact that like we were going to do one more blood test and maybe it was wrong and all this stuff. And you were like, holy shit, I'm exhausted. I mean, you looked like you had been hit by a ton of bricks. And then the next day you woke up and you were like, you know what? I'm open to considering other options. I feel a little bit lighter. Like the sleep really helped you metabolize that. And the next day I was like, I can't, I can't do it. (laughs) I mean, it's why you need time and everybody is like processing that grief differently. I will say I am so grateful of how our community showed up for us, our families, our community. I mean, it was just like really a lot of love and support and condolences and, and just, but like really a lot of love. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that we have that in our lives. Do you feel like right now you're going forward? Are you holding more the more the possibility of us just having one kid? Or are you still kind of like pretty confident that we're going to have two? I mean, in I'm confident we're going to have two in the same way I'm confident that we're going to have 10, you know, like it's like, <laughs> wait, I don't, wait, 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 I don't know, <laughs> like, or the, or this like ridiculous idea that like surrogate gets pregnant and we get pregnant in the same, I'm, I'm confident that there's a possibility that something could happen. Now, the most likely scenario of all of those is having another kid, You know, I initially was like, no, I wanted to have a second kid and I had reasons for that. And I feel like Neo is a sibling. I felt that from jump in a way that like one of our best friends had their baby. And in the beginning, they were like, I think this is going to be our only kid. And they didn't know that that would be the way they would feel. And I said, oh, I wonder, because this was in the first couple of weeks of their life. And I was like, I wonder if in a, in a while, like a, six months, a year, you might feel differently. And she was like, no, it's like a real sense I have. And of course she could always change her mind or they could always change their minds. I felt that from jump. I feel that he would be really good at that. But now I'm starting to see him like, what if he is an only child and how does he, how does he embody some of those characteristics and how do we help him have a, you know, a great life as an only child. And of course I also have dreamt about traveling and, Like right now he's mobile. I feel like I could take him anywhere. And so we could start that back to the life that we had before, but include our family, include our baby and travel, do the things that we love to do adventures. Like it's, we got through a really difficult time where there was no way I thought I could travel or do anything. I thought my life was completely done Yep, as I had known it. Right. The grief of the possibility of not having a second kid is definitely less. I am considering the the joys of potentially having a second kid, but I'm not going to go into these egg retrievals thinking that's what I want, only knowing that that might be what is. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like what you just said makes sense to me and it feels really wise. What do you what do you want? I want our family to hmm It's hard for me to say, like, I want two kids or I want one kid or something like that, like placing a number on it. I want our family to feel complete. And when I say that, I think that I have always thought of us with more than one kid. And both of us have said we've always seen Neo as a sibling, like he would flourish with a brother or a sister. At most, I want us to feel complete. 
And I also don't know what that looks like. I mean, that would be the only way to move forward is to feel like what we have is enough. This applies to every area of our lives. What we have is not just enough, it's more than enough. I would need to let go of some thoughts or concerns about what it would be like to have Neo as an only child and things like that and etc. Like this baby will always be a part of our family. And in that way, it's like, and I don't know if everybody who does IVF feels this way because maybe some don't know the sex of the baby. Maybe some are taking a chance on a genetically abnormal baby and don't really think that it's possible. I mean, we were just, we just were so confident for so long for over a year and about this one. So I'm sure people have been in that position too, but I genuinely think we are a family of four at this point. You know, things change, like thoughts and feelings change, but right now I feel like I had two kids. Yeah. Period. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's how you feel. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have a friend who had has three children and she had three miscarriages. And she says, I, you know, she'll say like we were in birthing class together for her third kid and our and Neo. How many children do you have? And that was the question. And she said, this is my sixth pregnancy and my third living child or something yeah. like that. So yeah. and she had a name for her first kid. Those are all her babies. Yeah. My parents had planned on having two and in between my sister and myself, they had my mom had a miscarriage. I'm wondering if they had a name for that baby. Do you, I've asked her about that before. Do you remember how many weeks? I I had asked her, but it wasn't early. It wasn't that late either. Do you remember how many weeks? It wasn't super early. I think it was around ten. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's all hard. I mean, it's, it was hard, but, but it was... I knew that she knew. It wasn't like a, you know, mm-hmm. oop kind of thing. It was, it was like, I think she knew she was pregnant. They were, oh yeah, yeah. they were pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they had a name. I wonder if they thought, if it's a boy, we're going to name them Adam. That's what I want to ask your mom. That's what I want to ask her. Could ask dad, but... That's what I would have wanted to ask her. You know, our friend who named their first baby, who miscarried around eight to ten weeks they did not name their next kid the name that when that name was gone and that was one of the things that I just struggled with so much and you know when we had Neo we had a name in mind and it and then halfway through the pregnancy we were like what if it's really a boy and then we were like let's think about the name and we decided on a different name and we decided on Neo and this name came to me with this baby and I don't know if we had another boy if we would carry that same name with us and part of me wishes I we would and I had somebody tell us like some people believe that souls you know jump skin suits like they're just waiting to land on this earth so that the soul of that baby might come through a different skin suit and you know, souls aren't like gendered or sexed that way, but like, you know, the soul might come through. And so in that way, the name could stay. But do you, do you want the name? I mean, we put that name in the river. I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I don't. And then I was going to have to punch you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll know. We'll know. I, it's not something that I have any sort of clear direction on. 
Yeah. It, I'm actually have, more... Have, so it, with a new retrieval, I'm more curious if you thought about the possibility of a girl. <laughs> to everyone's shock, I'm a little nervous about that. I was just, I'm like, I don't know if it's that I can't change, make changes that fast, but like, I, you are a little like slow out of the blocks on the change race. But I, but at this point I'm like, I'm not going to be picky. I'm going to be freaking picky. But if we had two sitting right there side by side, you would pick the boy. I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be in that position, but I, but it would be lovely if we were. you. But it would be lovely if we were in the position to have options. I also was so excited. Well, I only shoot boys, so clearly we'll see. Maybe this one would be just all girls. I know. I'm. I'm. I, I'm interested. I'm. Interested I'm, I'm a single see. track. Single track. One or the other. I will say. I will say that I. I was really, and I've said this before, just really grateful in some ways that we had two genetically normal embryos and we wanted two children. It's. It's hard to know what we would want to do with any other genetically normal embryos it's just hard to know there's a lot of options there yep and and i was just grateful i was like we don't have to make that decision so if we had two sitting side by side oh my god i don't know i don't know babe that what would you do i'd probably make a podcast about it and decide on here no stay tuned all right. Yeah. Well, I don't know where to end on this because it doesn't feel like it's end- ending at all. Not not the parts about what we're going to do next, the part about grief. It's like I don't I think it's the same thing when we had that ritual at the river when we let go of like the things on our altar that we had carried through this process and we had dreamed of and the rocks that we carried and everything that we got and were given for this time and we just put it in the river and I was like I was like, I just don't want to let it go. And I don't want that name gone. And I don't want that baby gone. It's the same way. It's like, I don't want to end the podcast because it's just another piece of closure. And I'm struggling with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's something that you ever have to let go of. I don't know that you're right. I mean, there's layers of letting go. We're not going to make this podcast again. And it's only going to air and people will only listen to it once. And yeah. It's just like I mean, it, yeah, time passes. You can always hold something in a good place in different ways. Like the essence of it doesn't have to like. Can I tell you that my mind is I'm blacking out. Okay. I'm like you're talking and I like your wisdom most days mm-hmm. in most situations. But you're kind of it's like one of those things of like sometimes when you give me wisdom, it's just it's like maybe when I ask or maybe at the right time, but right now you just sound like, like Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good way to end on then. I love you. I love you too. Thanks y'all for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.